What's up, everybody? Welcome to the first ever live edition of the Winchill Factor podcast. I'm your host, Justice General. I got real big team with me. Honestly, you know, a couple of my favorite people from the from the brand in general. But we got all built some Buffalo family with us today. You know, we got obviously my partner in crime, Mr. Jake Jordan. How you doing, bro? I don't know why am I so dressed up? Like, why is nobody else dressed up? We're at a fucking funeral today, guys. Come on. (laughs) Hell yeah, that's the energy I I like. Come on. It's the death of the Kansas City dynasty that never was. Come on. That's a good point. Never was a dynasty. We got the founder himself, the man who gave me opportunity, obviously, someone I'm super duper grateful for, uh, Mr. Akeem. King Richens, how you doing, bro? Excellent, excellent. I'm gonna, you know, bask in the ambiance of this W for the rest of the night, and then it's on to Tennessee. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think we all gotta have that mindset because uh, you know, it's only week five, so can't get too hyped up, you know, on everything that's, that's happening. But um, last but not least, we got the man who has made my life so much easier. <laughs> he came on. He is joining the Twitter team, and he has been killing it. That's a Very much appreciative of this man. What is going on, Adam? How you doing, bro? Living the dream. We got that Victory Monday swag. Shout out 26 shirts. Don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but huge, huge win. Um, just game changer. I can't wait to jump in and start talking about it. Absolutely. 26 shirts is they some beasts. I, I, I really like 26 shirts. I got a couple of products from them. Um, but yes, and I believe this is your first live show. Uh, is that right, Adam? Yep, this is it. So uh, if I wind up tanking, I'll see you guys on Twitter. <laughs> no, <I'm laughs> Impossible. <laughs> Absolutely. But man, I, I, I like honestly, we could have topics today. Oh, we can just talk about how the Bills blew out the Chiefs. Like, you know, like why, why even go into topics? Like, who right. cares what the rest of the NFL did? The Bills solidified themselves as the best team in the NFL, if you ask me. Jake, what did you think of the game? You already knew I was coming into today with the most amount of energy that I have ever had coming out of a win. If you have watched the show that we did last week, I said that the last time, the first time I ever did a podcast was after the Bills lost to the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. Boy, did we whoop their ass. Bro, I don't even want to hear anything from Chiefs fans. It's done. It's over. Your defense is trash. Josh Allen came in and spanked you like a child over his knee. I do not want to hear anything anymore from sorry-ass people blaming the refs to everything. I don't want to hear it anymore. The Bills are the top dog in the AFC, and who knows? This might just lead into a Week 11 matchup with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that could be a preview for the Super Bowl, everybody. Well, that tells us where you are on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as well as the Buffalo Bills. So I I like that energy. like that energy. King Rich, I know you did a couple of post-game shows, um, Instagram Live, and then also one earlier today. Mm-hmm. But this is this is a podcast, you know what I'm saying? So this this is a different demographic, you know what I mean? So so Most go definitely. ahead. I know you're probably tired of telling us your opinion by now, but <laughs> what you how you feeling about the game, bro? Uh big victory for the psyche of Josh Allen against Patrick Mahomes, for the psyche of Sean McDermott against his mentor, Adam, uh, uh, excuse me, 
uh, Andy Reid, right? right? So as far as as far as those two aspects, I believe this has been uh, a, a milestone, a stepping stone for the Buffalo Bills that says, hey, we can compete with the upper echelon teams in this NFL and now the AFC possibly have to go through Buffalo. And I know a lot of people are talking about the Los Angeles Chargers, but there it's possible that teams can come out of nowhere, but they're, they're coming along. And right now uh, you have to put the Buffalo Bills in front. We've been sustaining success uh, for some years now, and, and, and the Buffalo Bills are doing a tremendous job to start this 2021 season. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. People are kind of prematurely crowning the Chargers. And I mean, I guess that is one thing we could talk about a little bit later. Um, but Adam, bro, what did you what was you thinking of the game? I know you was tweeting live tweeting Ooh. the second half. What was going through your mind, bro? It was an awakening for me. I mean, for the better part of a couple of years, we've seen the ascension of Josh Allen and we've been the Bills fans have been clamoring. Yo, this is a Super Bowl team. Now, I remember last year, the big thing that I was thinking every game was our offense is killing it. If our defense can play like 2019, it's a wrap. And I think last night for the first time, there was a few miscues on offense and defense. But aside from that, we got the first taste of what it's going to look like with that 2019 defense, with that 2020 offense. And and I, I'm, I'm a Bills fan, right? But that team looked pretty unbeatable. Going in to Arrowhead, the loudest stadium in the NFL broke records for how loud they are going in and getting that win was huge, massive. And uh, the bills were already coming in and power rankings number one. So it's hard to imagine that it was that big of a narrative shifting victory. But as us bills fans know, it was the league was put on notice last night. But you mentioned something very interesting. You said it was a narrative shifting victory. Can you, can you delve into that a little bit more? I love that by the way. I love that. I think that with us Bills fans, too, for the past couple of years, we've been talking about, guys, we got a legit team, but it always seemed like we were underdogs. Analysts would be saying, yes, but Josh Allen can't. Yes, but this defense can't. Last night, the offense and defense finally came together for what looked like a Super Bowl product on the biggest stage. Well, aside from the Super Bowl, it was the only game on. It's the only game people can tune into. Not only that, there was an hour and 16 minutes between first half and second half. I know as a Bills fan, I was thinking they're going to come out cold. Josh is going to look sloppy. Defense is going to give up big plays. It didn't stop them for a second. This team, for the first time in my lifetime, is legit. And I think the whole world got to see just how legit this team can be. Absolutely. Uh, I think that was very well said. Um, I, I totally agree with everything you said. I, I think it's interesting how I, I actually, you know, I said it myself. I, I said that. I don't understand why the Chiefs are the favorite here. It, it just doesn't make sense to me, quite honestly. The Bills have, excuse me, the Bills were tied with the Chiefs for being the second best offense in the entire league as far as points. The Bills had the first best defense in the league as far as points, and the Chiefs were like second to last. Coming out of this game, I thought there was absolutely zero chance that the Bills will retain their dominance or you know their stature as the number one defense in the nfl uh scoring wise and yet they did it they're still the number one defense in the nfl they only allow patrick mahomes 20 points this is the worst home loss andy reed has ever suffered period regardless of patrick mahomes just period this is the worst home loss he's ever had in his chiefs career what did this mean what did this win mean for 
the Buffalo Bills, Jake. What do you think this is going to make the the new narrative, so to speak? Okay, so the first thing that I really wanted to say about this win is not only does it change the narrative, but it finally gets rid of that stigma that the Buffalo Bills cannot beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Getting that monkey off of our back, losing twice last year, everybody was talking about, well, I got, I got to see it. And I keep saying it like Ric Flair says, to be the man, you got to beat the man. And sure as hell did the Buffalo Bills beat the man. So when I'm looking at this game, right, A. Rich said it, the play, the playoffs come through Buffalo. And that's the big thing that comes out of this win. It changes everything because we kind of assume, and I think the Chargers are going to be another one of those teams that we will talk about, but Every top contender that we, you know, can see in the AFC, Lamar got it off his back. And Herbert got it off his back. Josh was the last one that needed this to happen, and it happened. And that's great for a team that we assume, like, we've got a pretty favorable schedule, I would say. And it could end up with us locking up that one seed and making the whole playoffs come through Buffalo. And that's the greatest thing that could come out of that win last night. Absolutely. The Bills have a top five easiest schedules remaining. So you have a very good point. You take the the first seed last year and you give them three losses in the first five weeks. That's going to be tough for them to, to dig out of that hole, especially when you consider you have to play the Chargers again. You have to play the Raiders twice. You have to play the Packers. You know, you've already got three conference losses. You already got a division loss. All of that goes into, you know, the seeding. Uh, considerations and the team that was second uh see behind you just whooped the hell out of you only has one loss which was a fluke if we're being honest and they don't look like they're primed to take another loss for a while if at all for the rest of the season hey rich what was the most impressive part about the game to you as far as the bills like was it the offense defense special teams what was the most impressive part to you Honestly, uh, there were a lot of impressive parts throughout the game for me. First of all, I got to say, yes, Lamar Jackson beat Patrick Mahomes here this year. Yes, Justin Herbert beat uh, Patrick Mahomes this year in the Kansas City Chiefs. They didn't beat the Kansas City Chiefs to the magnitude Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills uh, beat the Kansas City Chiefs. So I, I, I just want to get that out there. But the, the most impressive thing or a couple impressive things throughout the game was the Buffalo Bills have the ability to do anything they want at any given time. As opposed to last year, the Buffalo Bills was a predominantly passing team. This year is like, okay, we can pass the ball if we want, and we can run the ball if we want. We are good at either phase of the game, and that's what makes the Buffalo Bills real dangerous, especially when Josh Allen is running the ball as well, right? Because it's not like Lamar Jackson, where Lamar Jackson is running the ball, but he can't consistently and accurately get the ball uh, to his receivers. Josh Allen can do that. It's not like Cameron Newton. Cameron Newton was big and opposing like Josh Allen, but he couldn't consistently get the ball to his receivers as either. So the, the combination of Josh Allen being able to throw and pass uh, in this offense is something to in incredible to see. And let's not ignore what the defense did uh, on that side of the ball as well with Travis Kelsey and, and uh, Tyreek Hill minimizing them to, to – small games absolutely you said a lot of interesting there 
are a lot of interesting things there. Um, one thing that I wanted did want to touch on that you said, you said the Bills blew out the Chiefs and nobody else did. If you look at the that was a very good point because if you look at the Ravens game, if uh I don't I think it was a fumble, right? It was it was a fumble, and then not only was it the fumble, but the Ravens had to go for it on fourth and one in their own territory because they were terrified of the Chiefs moving that ball down the field on their very good defense and scoring 37 as opposed to the scoring 30, which they did that game, right? You look at the Chargers game, it took for you to to be so desperate that when you're in field goal range, you go for it on fourth and five, false start, you say F it and go for it on fourth and nine. Now, you know, uh, bless you, you got the pass interference and you were able, and then you still were irresponsible with the clock. The Chargers have been very irresponsible with the clock this year and they've kind of gotten away with it up to this point, but I don't think that's sustainable. That's why I don't think they're as good as the, the Bills. The Bills have been just straight rolling over people. The Chargers have been, We'll see if that continues. You know what I mean? Um, and then you you also said the Bills can win however they want, right? You have Josh Allen, who's top 10 in passing yards. You yep. have a Bills rushing team that's top five in rushing yards. You have a Bills defensive, uh, you know, run run defense, top two, top three, something like that. Something Bills like pass that. defense, top two, top three. Mm-hmm. This team is literally dominant everywhere. And mm-hmm. they just played the best team in the league. Mm-hmm. and dominated them so there is no more they haven't played anybody that's why the defense is only allowing 11 points a game they just played the most prolific offense in the nfl the last half decade and they held them to 20 points and they shouldn't have had 20 points because if we're being honest the referees was absolutely wilding last night the referees pulled the chiefs out of so many holes it would have been worse than it was if the if the chiefs would have just played the game how it should have been caught so uh, uh, um, Adam, what what do you think? What did you think of Josh Allen's game last night? Were you do you think it was complimentary of the defense as far as like the defense put him in, in in good spots, or do you think Josh was just going out there and just being better than the the guy on the other side of the field? I thought that Josh Allen was balling out, and what I've loved to see these past few years is the amount of reckless plays that aren't happening. Remember his rookie year, there was a lot of recklessness on the field. We all remember the Houston lateral back, but as each season goes on and as each game goes on, we see a little less recklessness. One of my favorite plays, aside from the hurdle, was Josh Allen running on on third and long, and he slid, and it was the most beautiful slide in the world because – Just last year, you see him at the line of scrimmage running over a linebacker, trying to stiff arm a corner. No, get the yards and get down. We need you. While I love the hurdle, I'm going to limit my hurdles for my quarterback to once every three years is probably a good number. But but two things kind of I just wanted to briefly touch on. One, um, I was looking at advanced stats, and the Bills didn't blitz once in the second half, ending the game with zero blitzes on 56 dropbacks, which – kind of brought me to think about the Steelers game, how they were able to kind of rush four or five, bring them home, let the defense do their work. Mahomes had a decent amount of time at some points to rush it, but they were able to get home on a few plays that really changed how the game ended. And just Allen on a rainy day with some of those throws is the reason why I love this quarterback so much. That pass to Knox, Stefan Diggs wanting to celebrate maybe a little too early before getting into the end zone. And that, rope that he threw to Emmanuel Sanders for that first touchdown my heart rate was through the roof from that pass on and Josh Allen continuously emerges on the biggest stage in prime time 
and I just can't wait for Monday. Absolutely. I, I don't know about the, the showboating. At least I hope not. I would hope he wasn't trying to showboat. I really I do think not. maybe he was like losing his footing or trying to look back to see where the defender was. I'm not really sure what happened. I guess only Stefan Diggs knows, but I pray he wasn't trying to showboat. <laughs> but we got um some love from Bills and Buffalo family. Brooke in the house, she said, uh, we didn't shoot ourselves in the foot this time. KC wrecked themselves like Kevin Harvick did at Rival Roval yesterday. Uh-oh. So I hope Kevin Harvick is okay. <laughs> but uh, uh, appreciate the love, uh, Brooke. Appreciate the love to everybody in the chat. Uh, thank you guys. And if you guys have any questions for these, you know, amazing uh, fellas, please go ahead and throw those in the chat. What's up, Dwayne, my main man? What's going on, bro? Um, and absolutely, Miss Dawn Keith, you are never late. You're always welcome. Appreciate all the support, Dawn, as always. Um, so. King Rich, let me ask you this. We know we can we can safely assume, I would I would think we can safely assume that this defense is championship caliber, right? Do you Definitely. think this defensive line is championship caliber? Most definitely. This defensive line is absolutely championship caliber. First of all, uh the Buffalo Bills can send a wave of different defensive fronts without any drop-off in production or talent. So that's that's one schematic advantage that Leslie Frazier has on his defense. Not only that now, we have size, length, and athleticism that matters. We have Gregory Rousseau, who's 6'7", AJ Epinesa is 6'5". Not only do they present a pass Russian presence, but we can't ignore what they do as run defenders as well. I, I don't remember the Buffalo Bills being this good on run defense since we acquired Jim Schwartz in 2014 after Mike Pettin was let go and we had trouble stopping the run. We wanted to make an emphasis to stop the run, so we hired Jim Schwartz. Uh, this run defense is, in my opinion, the best I've seen in seven, eight years, and that's because of the, the speed, athleticism, and the versatility that – uh, Leslie Frazier have in that defensive front when you have multiple guys that could play defensive end as well as defensive tackle. Absolutely. Um, you know what? I'm I'm I think I'm right there with you, bro. I, I really do. Like they they contained Pat Mahomes. They made him super uncomfortable. They kept him in the pocket. Look mm -hmm. how many times Pat Mahomes just threw the ball into the ground. It's because he couldn't step into his throws. He couldn't be as comfortable as he wanted to. He couldn't get outside the pocket and let that arm just, you know, do that little Twizzler thing it does where it just – I'm not going to lie. He, he throws an absolutely beautiful ball. Um, they didn't let him do it today. He, he didn't get rolling as much as he wanted to. He wasn't able to extend plays. He wasn't able to do none of that. He had to stay in the pocket, and he was not able to step into his throws, and that led to a lot of the air passes you've seen uh, yesterday. Jake. Yes, sir. I got a question for you. <laughs> Hit me with it. Is Dawson Knox becoming elite? Yes, mm. sir. Yes, he is. Uh, first, can I? Can we just give a round of applause to Brandon Bean for building this defensive line finally? Like, we all knew. He saw the game plan that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers used against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And he said, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to draft some dudes because it's cheaper than bringing dudes in. We're going to develop them. And he fixed it. And now look what we did. Being able to just rush four, drop everybody into coverage, 
and still be able to be effective against the run and keeping Pat Mahomes finally contained as much as they could. You know, they were crashing inside sometimes and letting him get out. But, like, legitimately, round of applause for Brandon Bean for building the line. And finally, this team was set. We said we were building it. They built it to beat the Patriots. We finally did it. They built it this offseason to beat the Chiefs, and we did it. So now let's talk about Dawson Knox. My Lord, has that man gone off. Like, everybody, we were all doubting him this offseason. Not all of us, but, you know, a lot of people were. You know, they were saying mm-hmm. Jacob mm-hmm. Hollister's tight end one. You know, mm-hmm. Dawson Knox is kind Guil- of a bump. Guilty. Yeah. Guilty. Same. So, <laughs> so with him coming off, all I've heard today is a lot of love for Dawson Knox and the national media saying that he is coming on as one of the premier pass-catching tight ends in the league. And if you would have told me that in the offseason, I would have said, you're crazy. I think a lot of us would have said, you're crazy. I expected him to get a little bit better, as tight ends usually do. But he has amazed all of us. I love it. And, you know, we cannot stress enough how much it is just a weapon of being able to utilize the tight end in this system. That was the problem that we had. The tight end was almost useless and not very used the last, last season, mm-hmm. mainly relegated to blocking. So mm-hmm. being able to have that as another weapon, you've seen there's a drop off in Cole Beasley targets because now we've got another weapon in Dawson Knox. And I love it. Absolutely. Dawson Knox had three catches for 117 yards and a touchdown. That's that's like one of remember that Randy Moss stat where it was like three catches, three touches, yeah. some crazy like that's one of them stats. Mm-hmm. Like you don't see that ever. Mm-hmm. Like that is a once in a generation yep. type of stat line. That's nuts, right? Dawson Knox was out there completing contested catches, which we knew he never had a problem with. Dawson Knox mm-hmm. used to catch the hardest passes in the world and drop the easy ones, right? Mm-hmm. Now he's catching everything. It don't matter where it's thrown. If it's thrown at him, it's getting caught. And so very big kudos to, to uh, Dawson Knox. Uh, that was an absolute blast of a game to watch. Go ahead, uh, Adam. Dawson Knox graduated tight end university with honors. I want to know <laughs> what <laughs> happened at that tight end university. Like, I'm seriously, telling you, he, I'm telling you, he's a different monster. And I, I was just curious, so I looked at some stats. I wrote it down. Uh, 2020, 16 targets, eight receptions, 111 yards, and zero touchdowns. I believe that was through the first five as well. So right now, 24 targets, 18 receptions, 261, and five touchdowns. Right now, Dawson Knox has a 75% catch rate. What was the big thing we were talking about before? Dude can't catch the ball. I mean, all of I mean, I personally – I need to sign a Dawson Knox apology form. I am so sorry. I was really hard against this guy. Stats in five games aren't the biggest thing in the world, but I thought this was funny because I wanted to see drop rates, right? I wanted to see drop rate percentages. Mm -hmm. Dawson Knox has a 4.2% drop rate right now. From what Mm -hmm. I've I've seen, if someone in the the comments tells me, Adam, you're wrong, that's fine. (laughs) Travis Kelsey has a 4.8% drop rate. Dawson mm. Knox mm. has a lower drop rate Great. than Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey. Right impressive. Impressive Love it. stat. Love it. Impressive, Love it. Absolutely. Love that. Absolutely. Very nice. Very nice. Um, hey, Rich. Now, a lot of people were very, very upset that we got rid of John Brown, right? Then 
once we got Emmanuel Sanders, those people was like, okay, we'll see where it goes. Five weeks in, is it safe to see we see where it's going? I, I think it's it's safe to say we see exactly where it's going, you know, and this is no disrespect to John Brown once again, because he was part of Josh Allen's development and progression. Right. So no disrespect, but he was known as a, a stretch receiver and his personality was mild mannered not to say it didn't fit Buffalo, because I think any personality could fit Buffalo. Right. But. Emmanuel Sanders is is just, he feels more like a Buffalo Bill. It's like it's like when you want to when you when you think of a phrase play like a Bill. I I'm now starting to think of Emmanuel Sanders, and he is a complete wide receiver as far as John Brown's being known as a stretch wide receiver. We're talking about a guy that can beat you deep. He can beat you in, in the intermediate game and the short game as well. And I think he's a, a impactful presence on the field and inside the locker room as well look at his look at his press conferences his press conference you could tell that this guy has a very very high iq uh for the game of football and he's a smooth talker as well i really i really i really like this guy emmanuel sanders man excellent excellent acquisition for brandon Bean. absolutely emmanuel sanders is one of the best to ever do what he does mm -hmm. um very fortunate to have him on our team. I, I, I feel like he provides championship pedigree, which is what we don't have on the team presently. I mean, outside of Emmanuel Sanders, obviously. We don't have that person who's been and won a Super Bowl. You know, he he's that guy. And not only is he that guy, but he can teach our quarterback, our young quarterback, who happens to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league, he can teach him even more than he already knows. He can show him how to be a champion on his road to becoming a champion. But speaking of championship caliber, Jake is, is the, the offensive line play really, really well, right? Mm -hmm. They didn't allow too much pressure. Mm -hmm. uh, the chiefs got virtually no pass rush, to be honest with you. Uh, and, and if you, if you, if they did, you know, create pressure, Josh was pretty much able to get out of it. Besides that one, you know, play where he took the long sack and the intentional mm -hmm. grounding. But mm -hmm. outside of that, I feel like the offensive line played really, you know, really well. Now I do understand that the defense, the chiefs defense isn't great, but mm -hmm. this kind of felt like the San Francisco game to me last year where Josh just went nuts. Right. Do you think that this offensive line can, can help us win the championship or do you think that, you know, things need to change a little bit? Well, I like the way that they've changed the offensive line, having Spencer Brown starting a tackle and then having Daryl Williams move into guard. I think that was a good play because, you know, we've known that our interior guard play has just been subpar this year already. So then we came in with the game plan. They said it during the broadcast, too. They started implementing the techniques that the Baltimore Ravens used against the Chiefs. And, you know, we've said that, you know, the Chiefs defense, you already brought it up. They're not. You know, they're not really anything. They got Frank Clark back, but Frank Clark hadn't played in about three weeks. And uh, Chris Jones was out. Uh, I feel like they mentioned that about 20 times more than they did Matt Milano being out. But, you know, Correct. we can, we, 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 <laughs> no excuses, right? They played good. I love the scheme. Definitely, this was the game that we needed Josh Allen to run more. So being able to have those lanes open for whether it was going to be a running back or Josh to be able to get free, the offensive line played really great. Whether you want to chalk that up to their defensive line not being as good, I still love that they still went out there and executed 
and mm -hmm. did exactly what they needed to do. And it was mm -hmm. successful. And if it keeps going up like this and they're able to do this against top line defensive lines, then dude, like this, I'm, I'm all for this lineup that we have right now, even though I still think John Feliciano is replaceable. Okay. Not mad at that. I think, um, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, you know, it, it does seem like ever since they made the switch, things have been trending upward. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's obviously a good sign. Wish they could have made that switch before the season started and we wouldn't have a loss of the Pittsburgh Steelers, but that's yeah. neither here nor there. <laughs> so, hey, Rich, I know, you know, a lot of people were saying in the offseason, they were thinking, like, we didn't go get anything. We didn't do anything. We didn't, you know, go out and sign the hottest free agent. You know, we pretty much kept everybody outside of John Brown. We went and got Manny Sanders, obviously. But a lot of people were upset. They feel like we didn't do enough to dethrone the AFC champions. Do you think we, we haven't necessarily done enough to win a championship, or do you think that this continuity might be a thing? So what I think is the problem in all of sports is patience, right? I think all of sports have a problem of patience because nowadays the fans put so much pressure on ownership and ball clubs and organizations to win that we lack patience in terms of developing and progressing players. And it's no different from somebody being born. You, know, you 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 don't know how to talk right away. You got to learn how to talk. Then when you learn how to talk, you Google Gaga a little bit. You crawl before you uh, before you walk. You crawl. After you, after you walk, you start running. So that's the process in sports. These players they have to develop. These players have to progress. And what the Buffalo Bills organization do, and they do a great job of giving their players a chance to develop and progress and i think that is something that lacks in not only football but all of sports you know we saw uh certain things in josh allen and we believed or the buffalo bills believed in the coaching staff that they can bring out the best in that player why because that is their job to coach these players so uh that's the that's the main ingredient to the buffalo bills success ignoring uh what's going on now ignoring what you see in the lights and understanding how to correctly uh construct and build a team and that's through drafting and you have to develop players so uh that's that's basically uh the buffalo bill's success in a nutshell absolutely i i couldn't agree with you more i i feel like you know having all of those guys together last year for one common goal and then to come so close and to all know that pain, to feel that pain in the same capacity because they're all on the same team. It's not like, you know, some player here from last year was on a non-playoff team. Some player from here won the chip last year. So it's like all different levels of feelings and whatnot. No, pretty much everybody on the on this field right now felt that pain of losing in that AFC championship game to this team. So they all had the same, you know, that that same drive uh, and emotion that I believe propelled them to get better uh, this year and uh, obviously knock off the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, another player who people were kind of doubting, speaking of development, uh, a guy who I'm not sure people don't think he can develop or he will develop, but he's been playing pretty damn good this year. Um, Adam, what, what are your thoughts? First of all, on Tremaine Emmons as a draft pick 
Like, what, what were your thoughts on him coming out versus what are your thoughts on him uh, right now? I mean, I think that draft class was perfect because I believe Josh was seven and Tremaine was 16. So it was the 716. So I'm always going to love that draft class. Um, <laughs> Very cool. I think that the Bills didn't play to their potential last year and it may have soured some fans. And with Tremaine Edmonds being young and the leader of that defense, he might have taken some of the blame for that. And I do think that there was an injury nagging Tremaine Edmonds last year. The dude is a monster. And I really firmly believe Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano are two of the best linebacking core in the NFL. Um, I love Edmonds, but the the big thing that I kind of want to point out is this like step up mentality that the Bills have when a player does go down. Um, I got to give a shout out to AJ Klein. Um, AJ Klein led the team in tackles yesterday with eight. Um, something that is very underreported, but Milano's out. I know me as a Bills fan was worried about the number one graded PFF linebacker being out, and Milano stood up and helped the game. Taron Johnson also tied for the lead, uh, the team lead with eight tackles. So I think Tremaine Edmonds is, is a big reason for this continuity on the Bills' defense. I think as the captain, he's going to take a lot of the blame when they're not performing well, like they did last year. Um, but it's going to be a very tough decision by Bean um, when the extension conversation comes around with how the league's going with contracts. But I love me some Tremaine Edmonds, and I would be very, very sad to see him go to an AFC divisional opponent. If you were Brandon Bean, I'm not going to say today, let's say Tremaine keeps going at the at the level he's going as of right now. He's he's obviously playing better now, um, and he's never really been bad. He's always been good, at least. He now he's playing on that kind of great tier, right? If he keeps rising at this level, you know, at this rate, do you give him the contract? A hundred percent. And and it was either he was eighteen drafted and turned nineteen like three days after, it was, or it was he was nineteen and turned twenty days after. This dude is younger than some of the players going to be drafted next year, right? Like this kid is so young and he's been with our team for four years already. We're talking about a cornerstone, like a, a wall of fame type guy if his career goes down the way, the trajectory that it's going. So I'm a big fan of Tremaine Edmonds. I pay him. Um, I was shocked with the deal that Milano got. And in, in this market, He Brandon Bean stole him. So um, I, I don't want a hometown discount for guys. I don't pretend to know what Bean's going to do, but Brandon Bean has been a wizard with all these player signings, with what he's done to Josh Allen's contract, with Matt Milano, with Deion Dawkins, with Trey White. I just think that we're going to be very happy when Tremaine Edmonds' contract extension comes through. Absolutely. Brandon Bean, for sure, got a steal with, with Matt Milano. Matt Milano got his money after being one of the better linebackers in the league and then came back this year and was playing like one of the best. And um, without an injury, I think he would have went crazy yesterday, to be quite honest with you. Um, I, I feel for what what, what the Chiefs' offense would have been if Matt Milano was playing, that would have been a scary, scary, scary sight. Um, but flipping on over to the other side of the ball, Brian Dayball. We, we've all had our opinions on Brian Dayball, right? Last night we saw a little bit of that Ravens feel where you're pulling guards and tackles and, you know, having a let or I'm sorry, 10 blockers out in front of the quarterback. And we saw that we saw the, the deep ball to, to Diggs, We saw the deep ball to Knox. We saw the deep ball to, to Sanders relatively deep, you know, for the touchdown, beautiful pass by Josh. I, I, absolutely. Hollister. Um, 
what was your take on Brian Dayball and where, where do you think this could potentially lead the Bills offense uh, at its full potential, Jake? Okay, so the thing that I like about Brian Dayball in that game is I think Brian Dayball has finally learned how to marry the pass game and the run game, finally. Uh, a few years ago, we were running the damn ball when we should have been passing it. And then last year, we were throwing the ball all over the yard, and it was working. And then finally this year, we realized we needed to make it more balanced. And that the fact that Brian Dable can go look at other teams and say, hey, we have the talent, we can do that too, and is finally taking advantage of it, I think Brian Dable played, like, called a hell of a game yesterday. I think that's probably one of the best games that I've seen Brian Dable call in a while. And just being able to truly marry those two styles of running the ball and passing the ball, I think it truly makes us a two-dimensional team, not just one-dimensional, like a lot of people had us painted as. And you can tell that that was something that Sean McDermott really wanted to do because they brought it up multiple times in press conferences too, that they do not want to be a one-dimensional team. And I think Brian Dable has got the message, and our team looked electric on both, like just with both types of game yesterday i can't say but yeah running and passing it was amazing yesterday absolutely they've they've been pretty balanced um all season but i think yesterday on the main stage obviously versus that team that's that's a really big deal to to kind of come out there and and showcase what what this offense you know is all about but we got a a question for you in in the comment section uh king rich and uh, guys, again, we, we got King Rich here. We got Jake Jordan here. We got my man Adam here. If you guys have any questions, please throw them in here. And please hit the like button. Um, I really appreciate I don't know all the comments and, and you know likes and everything else. Um, but King Rich, do you think Devin Singletary is going to be here next year? Or for his next contract, rather? Uh, I think no, I don't. Um, I think and this is not and you know hot take right here excellent question you know but opinion wise i don't think he's going to be here because we have to look at the value of the running back position you know we're going to have devin singletary he's going to be a free agent before zach moss is going to be a free agent so we're going to have zach moss on another year i think the value of running backs and i think when i hear sean mcdermott and brandon bean break down their philosophy on the running back position i think they can get guys that's that can come in and replace the production of a devin singletary for a cheaper rate as opposed to re-signing him at a more expensive cost when we have guys like Tremaine Edmonds to pay and Josh Allen on payroll and things of that nature so because of the the value of the position itself and we can be replacing that production I'm going to say no I think he's going to be one and done and I think you know unless Zach Moss turned into Barry Sanders or something like that we uh he's going to be in that same route in terms of recycling the running backs Okay. All right. I, I could see that. I, I, I do feel like with our specific type of run game, it it can be, you know, interchangeable, uh, you know, between backs. If you find a talented back, you know, who can make it happen? I, I don't think too many people are going to like clamor over, you know, Devin Singletary or Zach Moss. If you mm-hmm. have a guy who can, you know, produce at the, you know, the same rate, at least, um, 
Devin Singletary is, you know, he's doing pretty good. He's averaging about five yards to carry so Most far definitely. this season. So, Most definitely. Um, you know, I, I, I do think that uh, things are looking up. So, so we'll see what happens as far as that next contract is concerned. Um, but what, what are your thoughts on the running back, uh, Jake? So I'm, I'm looking at the comments. I got this whole setup here. You might be able to see it. My glasses, I'm looking <laughs> at all the comments. And uh, basically, I think it's right. I don't think Singletary or Moss will be getting a second contract. And I think that's just because we've seen what the running back position is throughout the NFL, kind of the philosophy around it. And the Buffalo Bills have kind of proven, yeah, like John Marlowe said, they'll probably draft another running back, maybe look for it this year. They draft another running back. Singletary's in the last year of his contract. And then they use Moss and then Moss, and they just keep recycling them. I think Bills fans, we get attached to some of these players, but in reality, you can get the same production out of guys that you can just draft. We've seen that they'll get a guy, they'll stash him for a year, and then, oh, no, Singletary's gone. What's our run game going to look like? It's probably going to be just fine because we're drafting somebody with a similar skill set. Our scouting department and everybody, they're going to get it done, and the running back position is not one that you need to sink a ton of money into unless you've got a generational player there. And Moss and Singletary are not generational players, at least at this moment in time. So I don't think they see out their next contract. But we still have him for at least right. two more years. So, so let's celebrate mm-hmm. him while we're here. Let's celebrate <clears throat> yeah. him. Let's, you know, let's definitely celebrate him. Oh, while yeah. We're. Love him while they're here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if we draft a dude, don't be, don't be surprised that if we're just getting, you know, just good running back play that they don't get replaced, you know? I, I like both Singletary and Moss, but to be honest, if we could get rid of Shady LaCoy, the, Shady LaCoy, Shady McCoy the way we did, and kind of get off scot free with having you know Devin Singletary and Frank Gore. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know we could pretty much just walk away from that. excellent point. Either of those and we didn't guys. keep Marshawn Lynch either years ago. Um, yeah, there was a mm-hmm. yeah, that was a mistake though, but uh, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> I agree. Um, but Adam, I do have a question for you. Um, kind of with the way the Bills receivers are looking, right? Obviously. We got Manny Sanders, Manny, Manny Sanders. I can't talk today. Manuel Sanders going off today. Got Dawson Knox this season. He's going off. Dawson Knox going off this season. Stefan Diggs quietly having a pretty good season. He's not having a prolific season he had last year. So I guess people aren't really paying too much attention. They're saying like Trayvon Diggs is better than him and all this other crap. Um, but do you think that the Bills wide receiver room is more top heavy than you thought? Or do you still think that there's enough to, to spread the offense? There's enough talent, you know, in depth uh, in that wide receiver room. I mean, I, I saw a tweet. I don't remember the exact numbers, but it, it was something along the lines of if someone told you before the game that Cole Beasley would have one catch, Stefan Diggs would have two catches, like, and the Bills still wound up winning. Like, what would you think about that? Personally, um, I've, I've only been around since 94 and I've seen a lot of b- bad Bills teams, but I agree with Akeem that the addition of Emmanuel Sanders on this team has just been uh, lights out. I, I was a big John Brown fan, but uh, Emmanuel Sanders just adds a different level to this offense. You have Stefan Diggs, you have Emmanuel Sanders, you have Cole Beasley, you have Gabriel Davis, who really uh, stepped up last year when John Brown went out. You have Jake Kumaro, who had a killer camp. I mean, we were seeing all that stuff coming out uh, during camp about how this dude is lights out. You still have Isaiah McKenzie that we really haven't seen a lot of gadget plays utilized with him that we did last season. Um, I think the Bills are the deepest they've been in wide receiver in my entire life. 
They are lights out at every position. Every one of those guys, including Dawson Knox that we saw last night, uh, can be there for a big, big monster play that takes the top off the defense. Um, I'm just, I'm a huge fan of this entire receiving core all the way down to Jake Kumaro. I mean, Isaiah Hodgins, we were talking about last season too, hoping he would develop into something, which it, nothing happened with him. But um, I think that the Buffalo Bills have a super exciting offense right now. I think that the people that are saying that Josh Allen is in a regression year, while his stats may be a, a, a tiny bit lower, um, I don't think that it's phased him at all. Um, and if anything, we're blowing teams out at a rate that I haven't seen. And I wouldn't necessarily say that our offense has been firing on all cylinders for every game either. This is a scary offense paired with a scary defense with an unlimited amount of weapons. I love it. That's Adam. interesting you said that because I have been hearing a lot of people say the same thing. King Rich, is, is Josh Allen regressing? Is that what's happening? No, I I don't think that's what's happening at all. You know, I think we we have to understand, you know, what what's going on in terms of uh, every season is a different season. Right. So. Last year in 2020, the Buffalo Bills and this offense took the NFL by storm. Uh, opposing defenses and defensive coordinators didn't know what the hell to do with this Buffalo Bills offense. Then all of a sudden, the AFC Championship game comes around and the Kansas City Chiefs gives a blueprint, right? This blueprint to how to beat the Buffalo Bills. Then to come out week one and the Pittsburgh Steelers follows that blueprint on how to beat the Buffalo Bills. Uh, the Buffalo Bills didn't look like they changed anything from last season in the first game of the season. They threw the ball 51 times. They ran the ball 25 times, and they looked a lot like 2020. Well, guess what? In 2020, during the offseason, all these teams was looking at your 19 games of film and trying to learn how to defend that offense. So what happened? Uh, uh, Brian Dable, the Buffalo Bills offense, they transitioned to a more balanced attack ever since the Pittsburgh Steelers game. And ever since that more balanced attack, the Buffalo Bills are now more explosive than ever. Why? Because the NFL hasn't seen the Buffalo Bills be able to run the ball and now pass the ball as well. So it's like, oh shit, now what we gonna do to readjust to the adjustment these Buffalo Bills has made? And now that we're in season, it's too goddamn late. <laughs> we're gonna yes, get sir. this shit rolling <laughs> yep. and this team, we still have a ways to go before you see the the best of the Buffalo Bills, and that's the scary part. A hundred percent. I couldn't have said it better myself. Absolutely. Did you have something to add, Jake? Yeah, I just wanted to say the Buffalo Bills have made teams respect them now. A lot of them just thought that, hey, you know, we'll just go light in the box and drop everyone into coverage and just take away all those weapons because they weren't respecting the running backs we had. So what happened? That happened, and they were like, you know what? Let's let's unleash these running backs that we have that we didn't utilize enough last year. And then, like you said, now the rest of the teams, they got to get used to it, and it's too late now because they thought they had the blueprint on the Bills, and now they have to try to prepare both. They built their teams, to try, especially people in our division, building their teams to try to take the top spot from the Buffalo Bills. And now when they realize that they have to respect the run game, they're in for a rude awakening. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Go ahead, Adam. So if we're talking about regression, we just need to get the facts out there so we can see what we're working with and if Alan is in a regression or what we can do to move forward. So 
2020 Allen through five games, right? Mm-hmm. 69.4% completion, averaging 315 a game, 14 passing, three rushing, three picks, right? I know there's a lot of numbers, but just stick with me. 2021, he's got a 61% completion percentage. He's averaging 274 a game. He's got 12 passing, two rushing, and two picks. Now, everyone was saying Allen was monster last year. Dude was MVP caliber. And Allen's next five after that, okay? He averaged 256 yards per game with a 65% completion percentage, seven touchdowns, four picks. Like Justin said earlier, we have a top three easiest strength of schedule remaining. I know that we're incorporating the run game, and it's exciting to see. I'd bet dollars to donuts Josh Josh Allen averages more than 256 over these next five games with more than seven touchdowns. Just saying. And after that, we'll see how it equals out to last year's numbers, and then we can get more of a gauge. Very well said. Absolutely. And and Stephon Diggs not getting or garnering the same production is by design. Yes. It's it's by design. Yes. After a season he's had – Every NFL defense is like, Stephon Diggs cannot beat us. We're not allowed. He's getting right. the Tyreek Hill treatment that we gave the Kansas City Chiefs last uh, last night all season long. So this is why uh, the acquisition of Emmanuel Sanders is even bigger because we need a, a, a better number two wide receiver than John Brown because he's going to have to take over games because so much attention is going to be drawn to Stephon Diggs. So Stephon Diggs still doing what he has to do, even though we may not see it statistically. Yeah, and on 80% of the teams in the league, Emmanuel Sanders is a wide receiver one. And now we've got him at wide receiver two two. Mm -hmm. going against CB2s that is, you know, the weaker position. So definitely a great addition. Absolutely. You're out there taking people lunch money. Um, (laughs) There was a stat that I thought was very interesting. You you know why I thought it was interesting? It's because – there's like this narrative that like Patrick Mahomes is sliced bread, right? He is just far and away the best quarterback in the league. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen may be top five, mm-hmm. you know, Brady, Aaron Rodgers, the whole shebang, right? Mm-hmm. Last 21 starts, both Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are both 17 and four starters, right? Josh Allen has 106 rating. Patrick Mahomes. 106.9. Pat or Josh Allen's completion percentage 67.6. Pat Mahomes 67%. Touchdown to interception ratio. Josh Allen 59 touchdowns, 12 picks. Patrick Mahomes 58 touchdowns, 13 picks. Mm. Don't show Collins where damn near identical to me. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh my yeah. god. F Chris yeah. Uh, literally fight that man but mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting to me how their numbers look damn near identical josh's is just a little bit more efficient if we're being honest right better mm-hmm. completion percentage one more touchdown one less pick mm-hmm. why is why is patrick mahomes just why is he just this untouchable michael jordan-esque type of stature of narrative of being the best quarterback in the league jake like what 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 is the the thought process behind this uh well you have to be very biased you have to be a nick wright or a chris collinsworth to not see that they are there there's a couple quarterbacks that are on the same level as patrick mahomes at this moment right now so like the fact that they they held him to a higher standard 
I don't know why, because he has a Super Bowl ring. I don't know why, but a lot of people view wins as a quarterback stat, which is absolutely ridiculous. But having that Super Bowl ring, they seem to think that he's untouchable. But I would argue that it's probably just because there's still a stigma against Josh Allen, too, in the league. And a lot of, you know, inner circles are still, you know, kind of mad that Josh Allen became the player that he wasn't supposed to be. But if I if I had to argue there is an echelon of players and, you know, Patrick Mahomes has two dudes that are right up there with him as much as people don't want to acknowledge it. But, you know, it's because he's got the ring and he's on the flashier team and, you know, they've had success for a little bit more longer. Like, you know, he came right in and was lights out for the Chiefs. So, you know, I, I think maybe that's why they view him a little bit higher. But Josh Allen has built his way up. The organization has built their way up and they're right there. And Josh Allen is right there with Patrick Mahomes. Absolutely. I, I like it. I agree. I, 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 you know, as far as being up there with Patrick Mahomes, I I don't even know if I, I personally feel like he's better than Patrick Mahomes. I feel like he mm. can do more than Patrick Mahomes, right? Patrick Mahomes is, is accurate. All right, fine. Let, let's say Patrick Mahomes is more accurate than Josh Allen, right? Outside of that, what does he do better? So one other thing that I want to throw in here too, just before we do this, Patrick Mahomes, they brought it up even during the broadcast. They said he didn't learn how to read defenses until last year, right? The big thing that I've seen a difference between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes is they brought up this year that teams have been using the same strategy against Patrick Mahomes multiple times, and that is how they have won. Josh Allen, when he gets that and they figure out Josh Allen, the next week Josh Allen finds a different way to beat him. So in that regard, I would think Josh Allen is probably better at being able to diagnose a defense and find ways to take advantage of it than Patrick Mahomes has been thus far in his career. That's a very good point. And you know what else I, I, I kind of noticed while I was watching the game last night? If you pay attention, don't the Chiefs run like a lot of screens, quick passes, you know, and their receivers pretty much do a lot of work, right? They, they run weird trick plays like Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and all this, all this odd stuff. Josh literally has to go out there, leave the pocket, and figure out what's going on downfield to make a play, right? Mm. Patrick Mahomes is doing zone reads, and if the middle is wide open, then throw the ball. It's not hard. You know what I mean? So I don't think what Patrick does would constitute him to be a better quarterback than Josh, and that's why I say that I think Josh is better because he does it – he does more with less, if if that makes sense, Mm. right? He, he yeah. doesn't have it as easy as Patrick Mahomes has it. And, so, and he goes out there and he puts up identical numbers. Go ahead, Jake. So what, so what you're saying is I, I would attribute that to Patrick Mahomes when he has to improvise. He has more dynamic weapons that can tear apart defenses, and he doesn't have to work as hard as Josh Allen yeah. does when he's out there improvising because he doesn't have a Tyreek Hill out there that can burn any defender in the league like as soon as Tyreek Hill is gone if Patrick Mahomes gets any minute he can just toss it up there and Tyreek can get it because he can run when's the last time when's the last time Josh threw a slant to somebody and they just took it to the house I don't know if I've ever seen that digs against New England last year okay Mm, yeah yeah, I like it yeah touche touche 
Can I? Nah, that, uh, yeah, because that happened all the time in KC. I, I, I rarely see it happen in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Adam. I think, too, like, Collinsworth was annoying. Patrick Mahomes is a great freaking quarterback. I mean, at, at the end of the day, he, of he is elite of the elite. I think the difference between us Bills fan watching Josh Allen come into the league struggle, admittedly he struggled, he grew into this player he is now. So people have a lot of videos of, of Josh Allen making boneheaded mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, he had to learn and he had to grow in his craft. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes came in the league, sat behind Alex Smith for one year. When he came in, dude was lights out from day one. He's got an MVP. He's got a Super Bowl. So people mm-hmm. have only seen Pat Mahomes at the top of the mountain. Now mm-hmm. that Josh Allen has ascended and he's kind of pushing him a little bit, mm-hmm. I think that people are just going back to the mistakes that Allen used to make. And while he's making them less frequently, we've only seen Mahomes be good. Yes, he got waxed last night. But since Mahomes entered the league, we've only seen him be good. Whether mm-hmm. it's he can't read a defense or he's chucking it up, it doesn't matter. We've seen Mahomes at an elite level. And after last year, we're finally getting to see what Josh Allen's elite level is like. And I think that people may feel threatened because Josh Allen could, and I think will, be better than Patrick Mahomes. I, have I think to he agree. is better than Patrick Mahomes. Love it. But um, mm-hmm. I, I, I agree with what you said. Um, mm-hmm. So last night there, there were a couple of hiccups, right? Um, we saw that weird Tyree kills the quarterback. Travis Kelsey's the quarterback. Patrick Mahomes forgot what the play call was after his two receivers just was under center. I don't know who they thought they were fooling. The play call was ass, if you ask me. But, you know, Levi Wallace just got beat, right? Mm -hmm. And then there was another situation where Levi Wallace got beat, you know, one-on-one, and that allowed for um, the Chiefs to to get three out of it. Mm -hmm. Hey, Rich, do, do you think Levi might potentially be a problem later in the season at some point? You know what? I think Levi is fine right now. You know, I think Levi Wallace is playing uh, just as good as as anybody else in that secondary. You know, Tredavious White didn't have his best of games either. Right. And we have to we have to understand that the 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 opponent get paid millions of dollars as well and that opponent wasn't your average opponent it was the kansas city chiefs so um i i really like what levi wallace has done thus far um can we can we always talk about getting an upgrade at a position of course but in terms of play right now we always bash in levi wallace when he gets beat and looks like a liability in coverage right now that is not the issue so I have no problems with Levi Wallace. He just got beat yesterday. It's the Kansas City Chiefs. Things happen. Tredavious White got beat yesterday as, as well, right? But what I wanted to see and what the difference was, we played with a different swagger and we played with a different confidence. AFC Championship game last year, it was, it was obvious that we was athletically less gifted than the, our opponent when you line up 10 12 yards off the ball giving them easy kick, uh, pitching catches right did last night we got up in our opponent's face with swagger and with confidence and said listen you may beat us but you're going to have a hell of a time doing it and that's all i can ask for from our players to give 100 percent, and they did so last night it, I mean, we saw what that 100% was, that that 100% looked like it, it, it is the best team in the league. Speaking of, that brings me to my next question. I, I w- I'm going to ask all three of you guys, so I'm going to go Adam, Jake, and then um, back to you, King Rich, to finish it off, right? Mm-hmm. Who is the best football team in the National Football League today, Adam? 
And why? I think that the Bucks are the best team in the National Football League. Uh, they returned all their starters from winning the Super Bowl, and Tom Brady's the quarterback. I have, and all of us Bills fans have seen for years, Tom Brady kind of take it to us every year, and I just personally won't be satisfied until I see us dethrone them. So while the Kansas City game was a big barometer for me, a measuring stick, uh, I'm really looking forward to that Tampa Bay game. I think that the Bills are a top three team in the NFL right now, um, but I really want to see us. If we go into Tampa and take down Tom Brady, it's a wrap. Uh, I know that there's still plenty of game to go, but I just personally, after years of being abused by him, can't put anyone other than Tom Brady as the number one team. Who's your top three? What's the ranking? Probably Bucks, Bills, and Chargers right now. Right. Not bad list. Jake, how are you feeling? Who's the best team in the National Football League? I understand why you don't want to put the Bills at the top, I but can't. from what I from what I saw, we shut out the Dolphins, and the Dolphins did put up some points yesterday on the They Bucks. were in the game until the fourth yep, quarter. Yeah, yep. yeah so I'm going to put the – see, but for me, it's between – I think it's between the Chargers and the Bills only because I know people want to talk about the Arizona Cardinals, uh, but, you know, they let the Vikings score 33 points on them. And the Vikings, while they're not, you know, a cakewalk, they're not the best team in their division. They spanked the Jaguars. They got an impressive win over the Rams, convincingly, actually, who were considered to be a Super Bowl favorite. And then they beat the 49ers, who didn't have Jimmy G. Say what you want about mm -hmm. Trey Lance. But Jimmy G is the guy that they usually run their system through, and he's a rookie quarterback. So mm -hmm. I, I don't think they have, like, they have one signature win. But they have – the Bills have a signature win too, and they were more dominant in it, I would say. So I'm I'm going to have to go. I think the Bills just offensively and defensively are on the top right now. While I think that uh, – yeah, see, I, Don – yeah, it's between the Bills and the Cardinals, I think, right now. But Tom Brady, I mean, that offense that they have is absolutely crazy. I mean, when Antonio Brown is your wide receiver three, you know, they're dangerous. That's a dangerous team. And uh, yeah, where where are y'all ranking the cards? Yeah, I, Lone Wolf, the same thing that I just said. I think they're a little overrated. But just going on, yeah, I think that the Bills probably are the most sound team in the NFL, uh, the NFL right now. So I would go with the Bills are probably number one. I understand. I'm sitting here in a Bills shirt where <laughs> Bills like I, I obviously people are gonna be like, oh, what a homer take. But like I. I truly do think just by seeing everything that's happened, the Bills defensively have been a menace, and I think that the offense hasn't hit its stride yet, and we're still killing teams on offense. So I, I think that you know the Bills still have room to grow, and that should be scary for the rest of the league because right now they're performing like they're the best in the league. I just can't put the Cardinals there. I live in Arizona. I will. I wear Bills gear, and I keep getting told, Hail Murray. I think the Cardinals are legit, but maybe it's a little of me, me being a little jaded. I just – I can't. They, they kill I, me every day. I forgot who said it. I you think it might have been Eli. It was Eli or somebody in one of our chats said, I don't want an Arizona Bills Super Bowl because then that's two weeks of us having to see the Hail Murray over and over again. Yeah. So that's true. you don't need that to happen. King Rich, who's the best team in the National Football League? Uh, the best team in the National Football League is the Buffalo Bills. Woo! You know, I, I I love the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What we're thinking about and talking about at, at the now, right? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers 
have both their starting cornerbacks out. They have a lot of guys in the secondary out right now. If we was to play Tampa Bay today, I really like our chances. You know, so I think right now, uh, later it might be a different discussion when guys get healthy, teams change, and and circumstances change, right? But as of right now, I I think the Buffalo Bills are the best team in the NFL. I think the second team, the second best team in the NFL is the is the Los Angeles Rams. I I, I still think that they pose a threat, and I I think about what type of team do the Buffalo Bills struggle against? The Buffalo Bills struggle against a team that have star-studded players. Mm. They had they struggle against guys that can impact the game. And they, they and, and Aaron Donald and, and Jalen Ramsey are guys that can really impact the game. So I think they are actually the, the best team uh in the NFC right now, uh not named the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So but my my top three teams are the Buffalo Bills, the Los Angeles Rams, and the Los Angeles Chargers right now. Top three teams. Top five, I will put I'm Tampa Bay. In, top, top five, I will put Tampa Bay in Dallas in, in in my top five. Dallas with the hot take, I love it. Yeah, I really like what Dallas I don't is doing. Know if that's right a now. hot take. I, I really, I really like Dallas. That, I was high on them. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Right after that first game versus Tampa, I was thinking like, yo, Dak has really good control of this offense. Like he is literally like I know he's you know the quarterback, so figuratively he calls out plays, but like. He was literally reading the defense and, and you know, calling the play, you know, uh, as it should have been, um, you know, when, when you're reading a defense. And I, I've seen him just continue to play like that. Even his last game versus the Giants, he said once he got comfortable, uh, you know, the game changed. And if you watch the game, it literally looks like that. You know, as soon as he got comfortable, everything starts snapping. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I say, you know, I'm right there with you and Jake. I say the Bills are the best team in the league. And you could call me a homer, but the Bills literally have the number one offense. The Bills literally have the number one defense. Mm-hmm. Special teams is no joke. You know, we, we saw what they did. They forcing turnovers. They they returning, you know, kick 75 yards. Isaiah McKenzie's doing pretty well. Um, Josh Allen is top 10 in passing. The offense or the, the whole offense in general is top top five in rushing. The defense is top five in, in like most categories. We're we're the best turnover di- differential, and we have the most turnover. We have the most takeaways. That's point mean, differential. You, you can, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, by a large margin. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I mean you I, I get it. And and the reason I wouldn't say the Chargers is because the Bills don't. The Bills don't let anywhere close to 42 points come from the Browns. I, no, that's not happening. No. The and, and the, the the Buccaneers, their defense isn't good right now. You know, Arish said it, you know, later in the season, we'll see what happens. Players come back healthy and things change. But as of right now, their defense isn't very good. It's 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 Chiefs esque. You know what I mean? Like it is it's kind of bad mm-hmm. to be honest with you. I like that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, there, there uh, there's a, a lot of the teams. With the 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 I guess the opportunity to be recognized as the best team has like a glaring weakness, right? I think the Bills are the only team in the league where you can go. Where where do you see the weakness? Mm-hmm. Point it out to me. There is none. If anybody like- could point out a weakness of the Bills, I will shut up. But I I can't see. I can't think of one. There's only offense, defense, and special teams. They're top mm-hmm. five in most major categories. 
mm-hmm. you know, in the league, you know what I mean? Through more than a quarter of the season. That is absolutely unheard of. Like, you know what I mean? Like they, they have a 2000 Ravens defense type of numbers. We all remember who the 2000 Ravens had, right? That's Ray mm-hmm. Lewis Terrell, sons. That's yep. them boys. Mm-hmm. Them Ravens wasn't no joke. You know, and, and our offense is, is, is keeping up with Tom Brady's and Patrick Mahomes and, and Aaron Rodgers. And, and that's on the passing side. I'm not even talking about the running side. We're, you know, we're keeping up with the likes of Dallas and Minnesota and, and these, you know, really in Tennessee, these really great running teams. Mm-hmm. We're keeping up with everybody. And not only that, but we've had to sit our starters for like three quarters this season <laughs> because we were blowing teams mm-hmm. out. Can you imagine what it looks like if we play those games to completion? Mm-hmm. We score 60 on the defending AFC champions yesterday if, 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 if Sean McDermott wanted to be ignorant. We scored 60 on them. If the refs wasn't wilding out of their mind, they only scored 10 points yesterday. I I can't – like, I just looking at it logically, I, I, you could call me a homer, but, I mean, just if you if you were – some random person who never watched football before in your life, and then you came and you looked at all the numbers, you was like, oh, that seems the best. That's obvious, right? You look at all the games, and you're like, oh, that seems the best. That's obvious, right? Mm-hmm. And that team you're looking at is the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. So I, I, mm-hmm. I can't – I, I, I mean, like that hey, right man, I, I like I, that. I, just, Love I can't go against mm-hmm. my gut. I'm going to mm-hmm. ride with them. You know, I was one of those people mm-hmm. that said 16-0, 17-0, right? Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. obviously, what happened to the – the Steelers happened, and I, I I was embarrassed. I couldn't believe that happened, and mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? Maybe maybe you know everything I know is wrong. Like I, I was like, for the first time in my life, I doubted myself. Right, mm-hmm. and then you know we played a bunch of bad teams, and it's kind of hard to revindicate yourself when you play garbage teams, right? Like, oh, okay, we beat the Dolphins, we beat the Texans. You know, Washington is a pretty good team, but whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And then you go out and you do what you did to the Chiefs. This is the team that was favored to beat us coming into this game. The hottest team in the in the in the league, the team that just dropped 118 points versus the other the defense's 21 points the last three weeks. They mm-hmm. favored the Chiefs to win that game. Chiefs mm-hmm. didn't come close to clearing. Not even mm-hmm. like close. It wasn't even like mm-hmm. it was just a straight up runaway game. Mm-hmm. I, I can't go against, you know, what I'm seeing. Um, you know what I mean? So uh, my man Dwayne actually has a really, 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 really interesting question. I want all three of y'all to answer this because they had me hot last night. Does the refs deserve a like a better, a harsher punishment? You know, uh, for for like their absolute just ineptitude. You know what I mean, Jake? What, what? First of all, tell me what you thought of the refs last night, and then tell me what you think about this question. Hold on, I'm seeing a comment here. Gruden was fired. Is that true? Did that just happen? Was he? No. Did that? Did the NFL? I heard that they requested more emails. Mark Davis arrived at the team's facility a couple hours ago. Went to find John Gruden. Gruden will no longer be. Huh. That that would be crazy. John Gruden just will no his longer be the Raiders head coach. Wow. Yep. Gruden is out. Wow. Gruden's out. out. Yo, that team. Ten year, a hundred million dollars. Let's go. Wow. So that means the NFL must have found something in their emails. I mean, they found something for sure. (laughs) Well, they found that. I think they're gonna get fired over it. Yeah. Well, maybe they found something else. You know. 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There must have been okay. some other crazy stuff in there, man. It said, it said okay. From from, the, from a, a particular tweet, I'm not going to dispose the name yet. After leaked emails, it was rumored the NFL was going to leak more until Las Vegas fired their head coach. So he must have said some shit in those emails. He oh must have said some shit where it's like, you know what? He must be a real clause. Yeah. Man, uh, sorry, okay. I got I got one too. If I can jump in, uh, oh, head coach after new disclosed emails showed he used mis misogynistic and anti-gay language over several years and that's with uh new york yeah. times sports oh tom Pelissero, and you, you have the first actively gay player on your team, your no, that's team. Not exactly. yeah yeah wow. that's why they didn't wow. probably that's wow. probably why they had to get his ass out of there holy shit holy yeah. breaking wow. news breaking yeah. news breaking talk news about breaking news here. holy let's, crap let's we, appreciate that why appreciate it yeah, let's see if we can oh. jump back. That was an excellent question by Dwayne, Dwayne though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, now now I'll answer this. Yes, I think that the NFL should have a better punishment system because we've seen throughout this whole year, and we've seen it in years past, but this year it seems to be really affecting games, and especially after what we saw last night, very one-sided uh, calling when it came to the uh, the flags. I think that they need to have a better system where they're keeping track and reviewing every single penalty that is being thrown by an official and going and seeing if it was in fact a real true quick penalty. Jake, Go it's ahead. funny you say that because do you remember a couple years ago in a playoff game where the refs made yes, a call sir. and then there was some type of accountability where the guy came out of the back dressed in all black oh, and was like, yeah, yeah, no, the that men shouldn't count. The men in black came out and were like, here, we're going to flash everybody. You all forgot that happened. This is what really happened. This, no. And then they were like, common sense should prevail. Common sense says that you don't just throw the ball to the ref. Like, you actually give yourself up, but whatever. Yeah, I think that refs should be fine or they should be really reprimanded to where they get suspended for games if they're get, if the call is that Wow, well, I lost the word there. Egregious. If it is that egregious of a call and it is reviewed by the league office, they should set a standard. It's weird because you can hear they're like, well, this officiating team throws way more of these than they usually do. Or this, oh, we got this officiating team. They throw way more of these. And it's like, we shouldn't be able to do that. You should go into every single game where every referee team is objective and it's going to call exactly what they see not oh this one calls more of that this one doesn't i think that that's stupid i think that the nfl should look into having a better punishment system and should review most every single call so that they have the best personnel out there calling these games so that it keeps them fair absolutely absolutely and i understand that human error is a big part of it right Human error, yeah. they're not going to get every single thing right. I'm not saying dude gets one bad call and you take him no, out. But if, if they start having a track record of it, that's when you need to start pulling the plug on some of these guys. Or if you have an absolutely awful game, the whole crew, if they have a game like they did last night, mm-hmm. that needs to be looked into because that was absolutely atrocious. Mm-hmm. King Rich, what, what was your what, – what was, first of all, let me ask you this, King, uh, uh, Rich. What was – the worst call or non-call that you saw last night and then also answer the question if you would so the worst call in my opinion was the the the, was it the zach moss run on third and one (gasps) the holding oh yeah holding on third and one yeah that was that was i think they called on mitch morse i think that was the phantom hold 
that was that 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 call was horrible. I, I mean, it was a lot of bad calls, but that's the one that sticks out to me like a sore throat, sore thumb. Yeah, now, here's of my, course, here's Collinsworth my, was like, you can't do that. You can't hold like that. Right. Go ahead. So, go ahead, King Rich. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're good. So here's my issue. Yeah, I don't think un- unless you can, unless there's obvious, obvious evidence that a ref is cheating the game, then I don't really think you can punish the refs. I think it's, a a global problem once again we are talking about in my opinion everything over time gets worse my sandwiches at mcdonald's don't hit quite the same now as it did 10 years ago you know everything over time gets worse and when we're talking about sports and every year we're implementing new rules every year every year there's new rules with this and new rules and we taking this rule out we putting this rule in we have replay we want to make the game better and want to make the game safer implementing all these new rules sometimes you might be forgetting the basics right so i just think that the combination of all these new rules and and obviously just things just getting worse over time but the refs are not bad in just football the refs are, are horrible in all of sports oh yeah you know so this is this is just a this is just a, a issue that uh all the sports is is dealing with and it's nothing we can do unless there's clear evidence those refs are pulling a tim donahay kind of shit right oh yeah then yeah, yeah. then there's something we can do about it but other than that you know they're going to get their little fines their little slap on the wrist if something's crazy mm. but that's just that's that's just what it is nick uh but the one of the bosa brothers alluded to it last week with the charges right he spoke about the refs he spoke yeah. about the refs and it being horrible and you know mm. it's something that they can look to get better but it's, it's really nothing you can do even the even the 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 celebrations and the taunting that's a feeling that's a that's a feeling mm-hmm. play that's a if my wife didn't make me breakfast the way i liked it this morning uh i'm gonna go out here and call a flag kind of play because i'm upset about my my burnt <laughs> toast you know those are so i don't like those those type of judgment plays and and i hope it could be, get fixed but i'm not sure how you know what's interesting is how you mentioned new rules right and we all know that there has been a emphasis on taunting in the nfl mm-hmm. this season right now there was one specific play where the cornerback literally held stefan Diggs. i mean like egregiously to the point where like you you literally have to be blind not to call his pass interference right not only that did they not call the pass interference but then duke got up went to stefan Diggs and said <laughs> is that not taunting right is that not taunting? It, like we watched Darren Waller get flagged last week for throwing oh. the ball at the ground. Yeah, mm-hmm. but Horrible. you can get up and mean mug mm-hmm. somebody mm-hmm. in front of their face after a play, and mm-hmm. that's not taunting. Mm-hmm. I don't. You, you at least you have you have to do is be consistent. That's mm-hmm. the least you can do, right? Mm-hmm. And and Sarah, she she mentioned this uh, play. You are. Oh wait, no. Uh, this wasn't the one she she mentioned the no, and uh, Russo was getting held all game. He was getting held yeah, all game. game though. He was yeah. getting held all game. Yeah. Well, the shoulder pads, they showing the replay. His his yeah, pads is up like this. Right. And I'm like, bro, exactly. you, look at his pad, bro. Look at his pad. <laughs> Absolutely. But she mentioned this uh the interception that was not an interception last year. That was against the Rams, but that was the a good Rams? one. That yeah. was a oh man. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, that was that um, was ridiculous. Justice, I wanna I wanna bring up because I like how you well, talked real about quick, how real real quick before we do that, my man Adam, he he got to an answer um about oh, the, the the ref question. Oh, go ahead. What, um, what was the worst call, and then what do you think about punishing referees? We already talked about some of the worst calls we saw. The one that sticks in my mind is I think it was third down, and Diggs got basically ripped down before the ball had a chance to get to him. That was one that that. I know they're all ticky tacky and, and these people are human beings and human error is part of it. But that one on top of everything that already had happened made me a little more upset. Um, I don't mean to get this way, but the NFL is historically not very good with punishments in any way, shape or form. Um, it's something that they, they struggle with for various things. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that there's no kind of um, situation where referees get punished. But I know personally, uh, in my occupation, I have a performance review every 90 days. Um, and I think that everyone who has a job should probably have a performance review every 90 days. Cool. Um, people should be able, front offices should allow, uh, should be allowed to submit appeals or complaints against a certain referee if they notice a specific trend in which the NFL reviews the case with written documentation that allows for a little bit more accountability. I don't know if it would fix it, um, but I know that as watching as a Bills fan, like Richard said, there was holding on on all the plays pretty much. Um, Brittany Matthews, Patrick Mahomes' girlfriend, commented a tweet last night saying the refs are never on our side. Um, it just it was a very one sided uh, one sided affair. It seems like, but more importantly, as a fan in a big prime time blockbuster game, we don't want the refs to be the ones deciding the games. And what I am happy about is that this Bills team is a different team where we're not looking yes. at one play by the referees to decide the game. The referees yeah. are going to do what they're going to do. You take care of business, you ball out, and you get the win, and you don't make excuses when there's one call that doesn't go your way that shapes the course of the game. Yes, sir. Very good. And Very good point because that's exactly what, what Bills teams in the past would have done. They would have lost that game because of the terrible officiating, and then we would all be complaining about it this morning. Um, but Jake, what were you going to say? 100% because I want to go on it. And we got to bring up the one play the Chiefs fans are throwing all over and all of the national media is talking about it. Too. Thank, thankfully, there is enough people to go. That's textbook. Like he, Frank mm -hmm. Clark, even though Josh Allen jumped in the air, took him and drove with his body weight into the ground. That's textbook. Uh, roughing the passer. Sorry that it was the biggest call of the game. It wouldn't have saved the Chiefs regardless. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. They say, oh, it would have gave them all the momentum and At they all. probably could have came mm -hmm. back. Mm -hmm. Like exactly what you're saying. Uh, they seem to think that that one play is the one that changed it, but seem to ignore all of the egregious other plays that uh, were not called during the game, especially those penalties, especially the holding on Rousseau. That was absolutely like you can just see it and then no. they were they have the they have the balls to sit there and say look how good this guy's doing against rousseau when it's like they cherry pick a couple <laughs> plays but the rest of the game he's holding this damn man because he can't block him so mm -hmm. uh that that's my grievance with that big thing that i wanted to bring up too is you said that the problem is every single year the league office is like hey uh we need we need an emphasis on this so can you do this when it's like you know, if they see it, you know, just just let them call it. Like, no, no, we need an emphasis. <laughs> like, like right. last year, right? Like here, here, here's the thing: offensive holding on the offensive lines last year was the highest it had ever been because the league office that year said we need the emphasis on offensive holding. So please, 
please do that. So then it was the highest it ever was. And people were complaining, my God, it's slowing down the games. This is ridiculous. So this year they go, we want to emphasis on taunting. And also maybe don't call offensive holding as much. They literally <laughs> said that. That was in the memo that came out this year. And what happened? Be. It looked like I it. See, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it looks like it because that game, and there's plenty of other games. It wasn't just our game that you can mm-hmm. see if you watch. Offensive holding is a problem. And I feel yeah. like that it was very one-sided, especially against us last night. But there was a ton on the other side that should have been called. And, yeah, I, I think that the league office mandating an emphasis on certain plays is also something they should not be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and you know, it's funny because they call every single offensive holding on the Bills. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. But um, yeah, I know you know we've been here for a little less than an hour and a half. Did any of you guys have any questions you wanted to ask anybody, or you know any comments, uh, concerns that that you uh, you know want to put put out there uh, before we head out of here? Nah, man, I think uh, oh Adam, Adam got the finger out. It's 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 not a, a concern, but I was thinking after watching that game, right, and seeing this team and the continuity and the championship caliber. For years in our own division, it was it was the Patriots' way, right? There was a certain caliber of player that on any team you could look at and say, that's a Patriot. When they signed a new player, you're like, that's a New England Patriot. Mm-hmm. What I've really loved is these past couple years with these free agent signings, you look at teams and you're like, that's a Buffalo Bills player. McDermott mm-hmm. and Bean have built such a culture that you can look at specific players like Emmanuel Sanders. The second we picked him up, I was like, that's a Buffalo Bills mm-hmm. player. And that's what good teams do. They build a culture of excellence. And that's something that McDermott and Bean don't give enough credit for is the culture that they've built and the team that they have created in Buffalo. Okay. Well, that also brings up a question that I had in the back of my mind earlier that I completely forgot about. And we are here right now. Also, I see DeAndre down there in the uh, comment section. Collinsworth needs a whooping for his biased commentary last (laughs) night. Uh, Honestly, I could care less about Chris Collinsworth. The only thing that actually kind of pissed me off from Chris Collinsworth was him saying that after they brought Josh Allen down, that he likes that a player grabs the leg and twists it to, you know, make him not think about running the next time. I'm like, so you like started the laughing and everything. everything. Yeah. And started laughing. I'm like, you like when players, you know, go down and hurt each other. I mean, mm-hmm. that's not mm-hmm. what you want for the game, but mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. let NBC deal with that as it is. Also the thing I wanted to ask a rich said something earlier. He said, uh, he was like the patience that the Buffalo Bills have had, the like being able to let everything build mm-hmm. and grow and, you know, bring people in that they like and let the people that they draft grow. Mm-hmm. I-, I wanted to ask why, why do you think that that has to do with the Buffalo Bills being a small market team and not having as much pressure on them as say like a Miami or the Jets who, when they start a rebuild, those fans want to win soon. Obviously, they've lost for a long time, and we lost for a long time. But do you think that those organizations have a little bit more pressure on them to win because of the markets that they're in and don't have – I know they have the time if the owners understand it, but we have understanding owners. We're a smaller market. The spotlight's not on us, unlike those other teams that are rebuilding. So do you think that they have it maybe just a bit harder than maybe we did? The reality to that question is yes, they do have it uh, a bit harder than small market teams, but the reasoning behind it is wrong. 
the reason why it's harder is because bigger market means more fans, more revenue. So people mm-hmm. are 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 putting more thought into your team and they're rushing that component to success. But the reality is, if I'm a new head coach, I'm sitting this organization down and you have to understand, you guys are a shitty franchise right now. Mm-hmm. It's going to take time to build and grow this franchise. I need your 100% support behind me to understand that it may be some dark days in the beginning but if you let me instill my process and philosophy i'm going to turn this ship around and it shouldn't matter how big or small the damn market is and Mm -hmm. that that's how it should be done but the reality is the people is running the shows and the, the owners uh are hiring making bad hiring moves to begin with so that all Uh, equates into what's going on into why big market franchises is not having the success they probably should have. Yeah. Uh, Okay, good. Because I was, I was thinking about it. You know, I saw a report today that came out that apparently sources inside the Miami Dolphins locker room have said that Brian Flores has lost the Miami Dolphins locker room, which, you know, that's Mm -hmm. a pretty big, that's a pretty big statement. We've seen that there is some problems between the ownership group and the coaching staff as a whole when it comes to philosophy. And it just kind of made me think that like when you brought up that the Bills have had all this time to develop and stuff, that I, I think that these teams are rushing to bring in guys. You know, they're talking about bringing in Deshaun Watson right now, and I think that that's not the best kind of uh, thing for their franchise. Like, Let them do it. Let them like, ruin their franchise. I, I think that these teams in Miami and New York City, even though they're in New Jersey, but mm-hmm. like these franchises feel more pressure. To, we need to bring guys in so that we have the best chance to win now mm-hmm. when the Buffalo Bills have done that. But it seems that like these other franchises, since they have you know a little bit more money, they have a little bit more appeal when people want to come to them mm-hmm. is they overspend a bit. And they ruin their rebuilds. It's been apparent for years that the AFC East, none of us have been able to rebuild. And I think that the Buffalo Bills, the fact that we've been able to see and take advantage of it, has a little bit to do with we're a small market. We're not bringing everybody in. We're kind of, you know, picking pieces and then letting our guys grow and not being in that spotlight. And now we are in the spotlight, but we already did all of our growing. I think a little bit. Go ahead. Go ahead, Adam. I think a little bit uh, with it too is is you remember when Rex Ryan was brought in and I think in his first presser he says is this thing on because it's about to be and the fans mm-hmm. were ecstatic because we're like change is happening now. Mm-hmm. A big thing that I think helped the Bills out is McDermott, like Rich was talking about, came in and he said uh, trust the process. Right, that's something mm-hmm. that the head coach in front office had to cultivate for the entire fan base. Uh, Dan Campbell for Detroit came in and he was gung ho too, which is difficult when you're in the middle of a rebuild, but Sean McDermott and the front office understood this is going to be a rebuild. If we want this to work, you need to be patient. You need to trust the process. You need to be humble and hungry. I mean, from the first day he came in there, we were saying, trust the process, trust the process. Allen had a rough rookie year, but we knew we're going to grow with this guy. We're going to learn every year. We helped one aspect of our game because of the wording coming from the front office and the coaching staff. It is not cute. It is not hot. It is not Hollywood to come out and say, we're probably going to stink for a little bit, but trust me, grow with me. This team is going to be a championship team, but not right now. Instant gratification is something that we struggle with as human beings. And it's something that coaching staff struggle with as well. But I think just what McDermott and Dean did in the beginning, hold off, wait, this team's going to be good, grow, 
humble and hungry, trust the process. It was brilliant and exactly what we needed. So with that, I'm going to pose the question to you, right? You explain why the Buffalo Bills, we were successful. Do you think that having being a small market had anything to do with that? And is being in a larger market, is it a little bit harder to be able to pull that off? I think with what we saw with Rex Ryan specifically with the Bills made it so that we needed to change, obviously, the approach on how we're doing a rebuild. But much like the Josh Allen, how they came out with stories about if the Bills succeed, this will defy all of math. And he grew into an MVP type caliber. I think Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean changed the playbook of what it looks like to do a rebuild. So we will see their decisions made in other markets mimicking what they did. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. Awesome. Justice, Absolutely. what do you think you, about you it? You already see people mimicking what 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 they, you know, you already see teams trying to mimic what the Bills have done. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the 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 Dolphins tried to mimic it. They just picked the wrong quarterback. Um, you know, get that, you know, that you know, GM who has an idea of what he's doing. Obviously, there aren't very many Brandon Beans in the in the NFL, so we got lucky there. But you get a great defensive head coach who can motivate a, a team and have them play above their pay grade, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. Draft your, your your rookie quarterback and, and build with him. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. they picked the wrong they picked the wrong quarterback, right? The mm-hmm. Jets are trying to do the same thing. They have a GM who you know, has an idea of what he's doing, right? You get a, mm-hmm. a decent defensive genius at quarterback. I'm sorry, at a at head coach, right? Mm-hmm. And then you draft your quarterback. I mean, we don't really, you know, Zach Wilson doesn't look awesome. Um, but I mean, hey, it, it could be said that Bill Belichick invented, you know, that that system, right? I mean, obviously, did he got his quarterback in the sixth round and kind of lucked mm-hmm. up on him. But you know that that whole defensive genius. If you look at the AFC East. All of them, defensive head coaches. You know what I mean. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that uh, people are already trying to emulate, uh, you know, that that style to to try to do exactly what the Bills are doing. Um, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think the Chargers got a defensive coach. I think that yes, that guy's did. a defensive coach. Brandon yeah, so. Staley was the defensive coordinator for the Rams. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, you know, um, I, I think it's it's. It's like I said, there's there's not very many Brandon Beans in the NFL when you can take a team. Uh, go from and, and Sean McDermott's either to be quite frank with you uh, to take a team to go from a 17 year playoff drought win and go to the playoffs mm-hmm. in your very first year have one year of rebuilding one single season of rebuilding yeah. right and then to go to the playoffs the very next year convincingly and then mm-hmm. to be one of the better teams in the AFC the next year to this year being one of the better teams in the maybe the best team in the league that is yeah. turnaround unlike any other that's a historic turnaround and um all the credit in the world goes to sean mcdermott and, and, and brandon bean so again i don't think that's good to, and, and again you're not going to find another quarterback like josh allen they lucked up on literally all three positions mm-hmm. you got the the best possible uh gm the best possible head coach then the best possible quarterback and you know what that 17 year drought if if this is what it led to I'll take it. You know, I'm only 26. I, you know, I, it was during my formative years where I didn't really know too much about football and I can be an adult and, and watch this team for the next 20 years and, and get to witness multiple championships. I'm fine with it. I'll yeah. take it. I I love that. And I love, Oh, thanks Dwayne. This, this Absolutely. was an awesome show. This has been an awesome show. I think a lot of it too of has to come yes. down to thankfully our owners had patience 
and let the process actually go through, which is why in my mind, just to answer the question, I do think that some of these owners in these major markets do make it harder for their teams to rebuild like the Buffalo Bills did because Mm -hmm. they want instant success. Like we've been, what has been brought up humans, they want instant gratification, especially Mm -hmm. in those big markets. You want to be as successful as possible. And that is why they fail. So I think our owners have a big part of it with the patience and letting the coaching staff do what they do, kind of being a little bit hands off. And these other organizations you've seen, like Miami, they got a hands-on owner. And the Jets, I don't even, their owner is one of the Johnson guys. And he was over across the pond while they were being absolutely awful last season. So, you know, I I think that all credit just goes to our organization from the top to the bottom is why that we are where we are right now and why the teams that we see trying to mimic us aren't having as much success, at least at the moment. So. Absolutely. You saw people trying to call for Sean McDermott's, you know, head coaching position after the he started Nathan Peterman, you yeah. know, so thank God we didn't do, fire him we, there. <laughs> I mean, we wanted Brian Dayball gone after. Yeah, well, that's true. First, yeah. So like, yeah. you know, look what he's doing now. So definitely it Absolutely. just takes just it's patience, man. Yeah. And yep. uh, the, the real quick before we go. I want to point out that it is halftime in the Monday night football game and the Ravens are losing three to seven to the Colts, which is another reason why I don't believe the Ravens as an AFC powerhouse. I just don't. Uh, And and that kind of makes it even more inexcusable for the Chiefs to have lost to them because the Ravens should have lost to the Lions, if we're being quite honest, had the game Mm -hmm. wasn't called. Mm -hmm. And that would have been a 71-yarder instead of a 66-yarder. And that obviously wouldn't have happened. So I don't know. Tucker might have drilled it. What the hell the Ravens are doing, but I don't think they're up there. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But um, I I absolutely want to thank every single one of you guys for, you know, joining uh, me tonight on the Windshield Factor podcast. This was an absolute Mm. blast. Hell of a um, show. You know, the, the comment section was rolling the entire time. Uh, you guys were awesome. So thank every single one of you guys for the super chat, you know, the comments, the the likes, all of it. Appreciate every single last one of you. Um, appreciate my man A Rich for coming through. Please check out Bill Zology. He does the pre uh, the post-game show so for Built in Buffalo. Um uh, live streaming. He, he also does the post-game on uh Instagram. Uh, he got Buffalo Blueprint. Yeah, that man busy. You know what I mean? So uh, let them know where yeah. they can find you, Kenrit. Uh Every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. Uh, I'm thinking about tomorrow. We'll see what happens tomorrow with the Buffalo Blueprint. But usually every Tuesday, 9, uh, 9.30 p.m. with the Buffalo Blueprint. Every Saturday, 9 p.m. Billsology. Uh, right here, Built in Buffalo Network. Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitter. Uh, we appreciate everybody that that tuned in today, and this has been an excellent show. Shout out, Adam. Adam, you rock today, bro. Absolutely. <laughs> you, you rock Killed today, it. bro. I really, Killed really appreciate it. you, man. Uh, thank you. Excellent show, fellas. Absolutely. So shout out to King Rich, obviously. Uh, Adam, as, as you know, King said, bro, you absolutely killed it for this baby to be your first live show. That was very impressive. You know, you came with your stats and your facts and all of that. You know, high football IQ. Um, absolutely fun having you on here. Um, Adam doesn't have a podcast yet. I'm going to convince him. Not, to oh, yeah. We, that's going to change. We're going to try to change that. <laughs> He's absolutely getting one. Um, you know, and so, but he is, you know, uh, you know, uh, one of us behind.
behind the Twitter, uh, the Bills Twitter account. Uh, he has been absolute godsend. You know, he's come through, made huge improvements on the account and just helped us, you know, mm-hmm. grow even bigger than what we are. So appreciate mm-hmm. you for coming through, Adam. Appreciate you for all that you do. And then, of Jake. course, my main man, Jake Jordan. Uh, Jake. Man, what, what don't Jake do? Jake, let them know where they can find you, bro. You can find me at Jake the Bills fan on Twitter. I do make some pretty hilarious memes at times. So definitely make sure to go check that out. I also, if you like colorful commentary, I definitely do during the games at some point. And make sure to check out my podcast, The Lowdown with Jake Jordan Drops, every single Friday morning where Mm -hmm. you're more than likely going to enjoy it. Usually (laughs) I have been told, and I'm not trying to be full of myself, but I get told plenty of times that, you know, even if I'm not proud of the podcast, some other people no, are, it's a great say show. that it, that it mm-hmm. kills it. So mm-hmm. I great I really program. enjoy doing that. And then the Friday night guys on the Friday night under Friday night lights, me and Justice. If you like this show, I thought make, I was busy. Yo, <laughs> make make sure that if you like this show, to come join me, Justice, Izzy, and a guest of our choosing every single week for first round by which you probably saw the intro video for it here. We we used to be here on this spot. Now we are on Friday nights, you know, prime time. So if you like these kind of shows, then make sure to go check it out. They're always a fun time, full of high IQ football talk. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I'm your boy, Justice General. You can find me on Twitter, JA17MVP, Instagram, Justice General underscore BIB. Windshield Factor Podcast. This, You know, this is a live show, but um, typically this does drop on Tuesdays and it will drop tomorrow as well. Um, because you know, it is the podcast. Um, you know, as my man Jake said, uh, first round by every single Friday, me, him, Izzy, and then um, we'll, we'll have a guest uh, this week. I forgot who I got this week, but I'll let you guys know. Um, <laughs> I got when every Wednesday with my man Caveman is a home field advantage, so definitely check that out every Wednesday at eight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Maximum Marvel will probably be coming back at some point. Uh, you know, every Wednesday. So we'll see you there. And then also Armchair GMs. That's a new show that I have as well. My man, Ryan C. Shout out um, Ryan. So yeah, shout out Ryan. Absolutely. I want to thank all of you gentlemen for coming through. Uh, I want to thank all of you beautiful, beautiful commenters uh, out there in the Twitter, you know, Periscope, YouTube first. Um, you guys are great. We do this for you guys. Uh, so thank you for all the love and support as always. And thank you for, you know, tuning into the built in Buffalo uh, production. Uh, as always, we appreciate you guys. Uh, so we are out.